Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'm excited to jump into part three of our series on cultivating incorruptible beauty. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you that there's still time to grab one of the last few spots we have available in our 2022 discipleship training programs here at Ellerslie. Our five-week program starts in August, and there are a handful of spots left. So if you're interested in taking a set-apart season to go deeper with Jesus and become grounded in your faith, go to ellerslie.com and click on Overview of Programs, or just click the link in this podcast description. Let's talk about part three of Cultivating Incorruptible Beauty. Now, as a recap, if you haven't caught the first two episodes in this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time, because it's just really powerful to understand God's perspective on feminine beauty. And we started out this series with the verse in 1 Peter that talks about the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, and how that doesn't necessarily mean having a quiet personality, but it means keeping self quiet so that the beauty of heaven, the beauty of Jesus can come shining through our lives. We talked in the first episode about the difference between inner beauty, which is a very self-focused beauty, and incorruptible beauty, which is heavenly beauty that is only possible when the voice of self is silenced and Jesus can be seen shining through our lives. It's that concept that we see in the life of John the Baptist, I must decrease, but he must increase. We also talked last week about becoming a friend of the bridegroom, the, the most beautiful women that I have ever known are those who really make it a focus to point others to Jesus in their actions, in their words, just in their lifestyle. Their goal is not to draw attention to self or concern themselves with what others think of them, but to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And that is really how to shine with incorruptible heavenly beauty. This week, I want to talk about a very practical way to allow the beauty of heaven to shine through our lives, and it's choosing truth over emotion. I also want to talk about another aspect of incorruptible beauty, and it's choosing freedom over shame. A lot of us as women are controlled by our emotions. When we are controlled by our emotions, we cannot be controlled by the Spirit of God. A lot of us are also weighed down by shame, and it's very hard to let that heavenly beauty come shining through our lives when we're so focused on past mistakes. So we're going to hit on both of those practical areas in this episode today. Let's start with choosing truth over emotion. And we've talked about this concept in other episodes. In this context of incorruptible beauty, it is so critical because if we are led purely by our emotion, if our feelings control our thoughts and our actions and our decisions, we can't truly be a friend of the bridegroom. We can't truly decrease so that Jesus would increase in our lives. We are just letting our emotions lead everything that we do. And we are conditioned in this culture to let our emotions lead. A lot of us have the subconscious thought that if I feel right about it, it must be true. Or if it feels true, it must be true. And a lot of Christians even reason out what they believe based on how they feel. If it feels like a good thing to believe, they'll believe it. If it doesn't feel like a good thing, they'll redefine their doctrine to match with their feelings. In our culture, we're taught that following our heart, following our feelings is good, it's healthy, and it's right. But what does the Bible say? As we've looked at these verses in past episodes, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. It says in Proverbs 28, 26. So even though we live in a world that is constantly saying, trust your heart, trust your heart, the Bible says that if we trust our own heart, we are being fools. And in Proverbs 18, 2, it says a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. 
And that is such an amazing picture of what we see happening in women's lives today, especially on social media. There's not really that willingness to sit at the feet of Jesus and glean from his heavenly wisdom. We just want to express our own heart and our own feelings all of the time. As women, if we want to shine with incorruptible beauty, we need to learn how to surrender our feelings and emotions to the spirit of God and let him work his godly self-control within us and allow our actions and our decisions and our beliefs to be based around his truth, not on our feelings or whims or desires. And of course, that that quote from Elizabeth Elliot that I've, I've said many times on this podcast, it's one of my favorites. Obedience to God is always possible. It is a deadly error to fall into the notion that when feelings are extremely strong, we can do nothing but act on them. What a powerful and convicting statement, because many of us believe that when our feelings are extremely strong, we have to just act on them. And that is what leads us to, if we're married, slam doors, stomp around, give our husband the silent treatment, yell at our kids, because we're allowing our feelings to take control of our actions. Or in our single years, it's what leads us to become discontent and dissatisfied with singleness and manipulate circumstances to get a relationship, because our feelings are leading the way. It's often what causes women to spend their lives on shallow, selfish pursuits instead of on eternal things. It's what causes us to shy away from challenging things under the banner of saying, well, that's just not me. That's just not my true passion. It might be something you know God's calling you to do. Maybe not something that is exciting to you, but something you know is sitting right in front of you to do. But if your feelings don't agree with it, it's like, well, that's not me or that's not how I'm, that's not what I'm passionate about. And so a lot of times we can actually shy away from obedience based on being led by our own feelings. Another key danger of building our spiritual life on feelings is that feelings can often lead us to doubt God's love for us or doubt his faithfulness in our lives. Instead of just taking him at his word, we often think, well, if I don't feel loved by him, he must not love me. If I don't feel that he's going to be faithful, or if I don't feel that he has been faithful to me in the past, then I can't really trust him. And that is going to put a huge barrier in our relationship with Christ when we begin to think and reason based on feelings alone. As it says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true, but every man a liar. His opinion is the only one that really matters. And this is a thought from Amy Carmichael that I've shared before on this podcast. It is so applicable in this concept of being led by truth rather than emotions. She said, our feelings do not affect God's facts. And then she said, we may not see the shining of the promises, but they still shine. They are not for one moment less because of our human weakness. Feelings come and go like clouds, but the hills and the mountains and the stars abide just like God's truth. What a powerful analogy. Does this mean that our heart's desires are not good? Because a lot of times we're told that whatever's in our heart is something good and something we should pursue and build our life around. Our desires have to first be yielded and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And then as we begin to build our lives around him, he shapes the desires of our heart to match with his desires for our lives. As it says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God places his desires within our hearts as we surrender to him and delight in him. And as we delight in him, we begin to often desire very strange things in the world's eyes. If you look throughout Christian history, you will see incredible stories of men and women 
who went where nobody else wanted to go. And they didn't go begrudgingly. They went out of a place of joy and delight because they God had shaped the desires of their heart to match with his desires. So men and women going to unreached tribes where it was very dangerous and the whole atmosphere was very dark, but they were so excited to be there because the desires of their heart had been shaped by God. Or those who would go into very dangerous situations and even die martyrs' deaths, they did that joyfully and willingly because God had shaped the desires of their heart or those who would even go through prison for their faith. And so many stories of them finding great joy, even in the midst of that tremendous suffering, because God had shaped the desires of their heart. One of the most practical ways that we can begin being led by truth instead of by our feelings is to ask a different question in everyday life. Instead of always asking how do I feel about this? Let's begin asking, what does God say about this? This is really a life-changing idea for me a few years ago, because instead of constantly thinking, okay, this is an overwhelming situation. How do I feel about this? I began to go to the truth of the word of God. So if I was feeling the, the emotion that would say, I can't handle this, I would say, but wait, what does God say? He says in his word that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or if I'm feeling like uh, I'm having a bad day, this day is going downhill, what does God say? Well, he says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so if you begin to simply approach everyday life when you are faced with a challenging situation or a stressful situation or simply a situation where you're wanting to know which direction to go in your future, don't immediately consult your emotions, but consult the word of God, his truth. What does he say about this situation? Begin to build your life, not upon your feelings, but upon the truth of the word of God. Allow his word to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And soon as you begin to cultivate truth in your life and turn to truth before you just turn to emotion, you will make room for that heavenly beauty to come shining through your life. Emotion in itself is not wrong, it's not bad, but it has to be yielded to the spirit of God. It has to be led by truth. It cannot be what's in control of our lives. Another practical way to cultivate heavenly incorruptible beauty in our lives is to choose freedom over shame. So many of us are weighed down with shame and regret over our past that we can't really enter into that place of decreasing that he might increase, that place of allowing heaven's beauty to shine through our lives. We feel disqualified from abiding in Christ, from having a loving, personal, intimate relationship with him. And we sort of feel that he wants to have a thriving relationship with everyone else except for us. I went through a season in my life when I had made a lot of mistakes, especially in relationships, and I remember feeling a lot of shame and a lot of unworthiness because of past mistakes. And God began to give me a vision of the kind of intimate walk with Christ he wanted me to have with him, and also of a vision of what he wanted to do with my future, but I felt disqualified because of what I had done in the past. And I began to pray, Lord, Make your forgiveness real to me. I'm living in shame and I want to live in freedom and in victory. And his message to me was, I have forgiven, now you must receive it. I had repented of those past sins and I had asked the blood of Jesus to cover them. And I had believed that he had forgiven me, but I didn't feel forgiven. And the reason was because, again, I was consulting my emotions rather than the truth of God. 
The truth of God, the word of God says that when we confess our sins, he forgives. And so often we try to overcomplicate it. Andrew Bonner said, it is more humbling for us to take what grace offers than to bewail our wants and worthlessness. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of times I think we see it as more spiritual to constantly talk about how we're falling short and how we're broken and how we have all these problems in the past and we have all this shame in our lives. And we think that wallowing in that is somehow more spiritual. And yet he's saying it is more humbling to actually just take what grace offers, what he is offering to us rather than wallowing in shame. And as I've talked about before, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, Jesus praised this woman not because she was wallowing in her sin and her shame, but because she was fully receiving his forgiveness and his love. She was saying, Lord, you are my only hope, and I fully receive everything you are offering me right now. Jesus said she was forgiven much, and as a result, she loved much. Corey Tinboom said, when God forgives, he forgets. He buries our sin in the sea and puts a sign on the bank that says no fishing allowed. What a great concept, no fishing allowed, because we want to dredge those old sins back up and allow them to cover our faces with shame. We are not to let shame put a barrier between us and Christ. We can't really shine with the radiance of heaven when our faces are covered with shame. It says in the Psalms that those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. So looking to him, fully receiving his forgiveness, walking in that reality allows our face to shine with heavenly radiance rather than our face to be covered with shame over past mistakes. The enemy wants us to live in shame and regret, but that is like staying in a prison cell even though the door is unlocked. It says in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So instead of wallowing in the past, we can rest in the reality that we are new creations in Christ. A lot of women say, well, I know God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. But what that statement really means, as I've told you in other episodes, is that I just can't seem to agree with God that I am forgiven. Because in reality, God has not asked us to forgive ourselves. He is the forgiver. We are the receivers of his forgiveness. Our job isn't to let ourselves off the hook for past sins, it's to believe what he says. Now that sounds simple, but that's where a lot of us really get tripped up. We try to punish ourselves for past sins, live in the past, forgetting that Jesus Christ has already borne our punishment on the cross. Overcoming the hindrance of shame starts by simply agreeing with God. When we repent and turn from our sin, he forgives and sets us free from the past and not just partially free, but free indeed. We did an episode on this podcast a number of years ago. I think it was called Is Brokenness Beautiful? But it was about this idea that has become very popular in the church today of celebrating our brokenness. And That's a very interesting question in light of shining with incorruptible beauty, because when you celebrate brokenness versus the redemption of Jesus Christ, that brokenness becomes a hindrance to his radiance shining through 
your life. Brokenness is supposed to be a means to an end, not something to celebrate in and of itself. We certainly do need to be broken and humbled over our sins. We need to see the reality of what we are without Christ. That makes what he did for us so much more precious. But it's just a starting point. It's not where we're supposed to stay in this state of just shame and brokenness. And sometimes brokenness can become an excuse to just push away God's forgiveness and transforming grace. We can't reflect the incorruptible beauty of Christ when we are emphasizing our own brokenness rather than emphasizing his amazing redemption. Brokenness is beneficial when it comes to laying down our pride and acknowledging our sin and our desperate need for a savior. Again, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears, she was doing just that, but she wasn't celebrating her brokenness. She was rejoicing in his redemption. So one of the most important things that we can do is choose freedom over shame, not to wallow in past sins, mistakes, regrets, but to fully receive his forgiveness and begin basing our perspective on the unchanging word of God. He says that he has removed our sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. Now let's begin to live in that reality. So we've talked about the importance of choosing truth over emotion and choosing freedom over shame. Here is a recap of incorruptible beauty. Incorruptible beauty means allowing heaven's beauty to shine through our lives and decreasing so that Jesus Christ might increase. It means becoming a friend of the bridegroom and being far more interested in what people think of Jesus than what they think of us and letting our words and our actions and our attitude and our lifestyle point others to Jesus Christ, whether that be in a friendship or a relationship or just a casual acquaintance, anyone that we meet, may we have that goal of pointing them to Jesus. Jesus Christ. It means being led by truth, building our lives upon the solid, unchanging rock of the word of God, the truth of God, and letting our feelings and our emotions line up with his truth, rather than trying to massage the truth of God to line up with our emotions. And it means agreeing with God about our value, about our calling and design as women, and about the power of the blood of Christ to cleanse, renew, and make us into new creations in Christ. One of the most amazing quotes that I've ever heard about incorruptible beauty was from Christina Rossetti in 1880. And incorruptible beauty in a nutshell is a Christ-centered existence. And here's how she expressed it. How beautiful are the arms which have embraced Christ, the eyes which have gazed upon Christ, the lips which have spoken with Christ, the feet which have followed Christ. How beautiful are the hands which have worked the works of Christ, the feet which are treading in his footsteps and have gone about doing good, the lips which have spread abroad his name, and the lives which have been counted for him. That is my prayer for your life and for my life. May we, by the grace of God, begin to shine with the incorruptible beauty of heaven. Not a self-centered inner beauty, but a Christ-centered incorruptible beauty. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources and articles we have for you there. There are other podcasts you can listen to. There's an online mentoring program that you can join. And our goal is to constantly point you back to Jesus Christ with these resources. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.